Welcome back to the Oyu Shnai Mikra Project and our study of Parshat Ba'era. This is Menachem Liptag, and in today's year we study Shishi, the sixth Aliyah. Ba'hi ba'itahi, and it came to pass at that time, when Avram is living in the area of Grar, Ba'yomar avi melech ufichol sar tzvao el Abraham lemor, Elohim imcha b'chol asher ta'oseh. Avi melech, the king of Grar, now comes together with Fichol, the head of his army, and they tell Abraham, God is with you in everything that you're doing. As Avram has been very successful in his business, Avimelech realizes after the incident with Sarah that God is on his side. Avimelech and Fichol, the head of his army, decide it's worthwhile making a treaty with Abraham. And now, Avimelech now offers a treaty with Abraham and asks him to please swear in the name of God that you will not deal falsely with me, not only with me, not with me or my children and my grandchildren, and my, even my great-grandchildren. The same kindness that I showed you, Avimelech is saying, I've been kind to you, allowing you to dwell in my land, and I bestowed many gifts on you. The same kindness that I showed you, please do with me. Together with the land now that you're living in, please be a kind partner in this relationship, which Avimelech is hoping now will continue for a long time. Avraham answers, I'm willing to swear. Hence, Avram agrees to this covenant. Now, is this covenant something positive or negative? We have an argument among the commentators. Some commentators, I like to call them the right-wing commentators, are very critical of Avraham. What business does he have to allow Avimelech to be sovereign in the land? God promises land to the Jewish people. You can see the Chizkuni and the Rashbam in this regard. They even suggest that because Avraham makes this treaty, his offspring, later on in Jewish history, are going to suffer under the Plishtim many, many times, simply because Avraham made this mistake in agreeing to this peace treaty. Other Parshanim agree that this treaty might not have been ideal. However, it was permitted for Avraham to make a treaty for up to four generations, because in Brit Ben Tarim, God already told him that at least for four generations, you would not be returning and conquering the land. There God told him, the fourth generation will return here. That allowed Avram Avinu to make a peace treaty and recognize the sovereignty of Avimelech for up to four generations. However, there's another approach that sees this story as a paradigm for an ideal that will take place later in Jewish history, where Avram Avinu is recognized by other nations and becomes what they refer to as an Orla Goim, a light to other nations, based on his behavior. If we see Avimelech not just as the king of the area of the Plishtim and Grar, but Avimelech in the paradigm representing the classic king of other nations, as his name reflects, if my father was a king, therefore I'm the king. Basically, this is the leader of a dynasty. He's also traveling with the head of his army, which indicates a country and a leader that has sovereignty and is established. In the future, the offspring of Avram are going to establish a nation in the land of Israel. And the hope is that this nation, through their behavior, by calling out in God's name, keeping God's mitzvot, acting properly, would be able to enjoy positive relationships with the nations around them. And through their behavior and through those relationships, the nation of Israel would be able to teach other nations a lesson about the existence of God and about proper behavior. This actually happens later on in Jewish history, in the time period of Shlomo, when the Queen of Sheba comes to visit. Great prophets later on in Israel, the classic example being Yishayahu, see this as the goal of Messianic times. And it could be that this story reflects the ideal that hopefully should happen one day when Avram's offspring develop into a nation that God is expecting. This brings us to the topic of Maseh Avot Simen that the stories in Sefer Breshit not only describe the development of the relationship between God and our forefathers, not only forecast, but they also form paradigms for what's going to happen later on in Jewish history. Not that they predict what's going to happen, but rather they give us guidance to what may happen, or possibly what should happen, 
and not exactly predict history, but hopefully can shape history. As usual, I don't think we have to decide that one interpretation is correct and the other is incorrect. Both approaches that there's something negative about making peace treaties with other nations, as well as the opinion that there's something positive about them, reflect different time periods in Jewish history. And as we see throughout Jewish history, these stories about our forefathers provide guidance in many different situations that befall the Jewish people and remind us of our need to be dedicated to God, just like our forefather Abraham was. In light of this discussion, let's continue now the story to see what happens. Avram complains now to Abimelech, as we're about to make this treaty, about the wells that the servants of Abimelech had stolen. How does someone steal a well? There are three ways to get water in the land of Israel. The best source is a mayan, a spring, and there the water comes right out of the ground. The classic way of collecting water is digging a bore, a cistern, which is used to collect rainwater. However, in areas like the Negev, where it doesn't rain that much, that also doesn't help too much. In the Negev area, in the southern parts of Israel, the classic way of attaining water is by digging a be'er, what we call a well. When it rains in the land of Israel, the water doesn't seep down to the middle of the earth. Instead, after 10, 20, 30 meters or so, it stops at some non-porous level. And underneath most of Israel, there's a large sea of water called the aquifer. The problem is, how does someone tap the aquifer? There are many places in the Negev where you can dig a hole straight down and after 5, 10, 15 meters or so, you'll be able to tap that aquifer and be able to draw the water. That throughout Tanakh is called a be'er. How can someone steal someone else's well? It's simple. Let's say a person digs a well, finds water at a certain spot. What the neighbor can do, they can also dig a well 10, 20, 30 meters away and by doing so, they can draw water from the exact same aquifer. So the question is, who has the rights to the water that's in the aquifer? That's a problem that continues to this very day in the Middle East. What Avram is complaining about is that his workers had dug many wells, and the servants of Avimelech, or other people living in the land under the jurisdiction of Avimelech, were stealing the water from the wells that Avram had dug. We're going to see the same problem later on with Yitzchak, when he's confronted with a similar situation. As this type of behavior in the eyes of Avram is unjust, he complains to Avimelech about what happened. Listen to Avimelech's response in Pasach Chavav. Avimelech, Avimelech says, I don't know who did such a thing. And you, you never told me about this. And I myself, I never heard about this till today. Avimelech is coming clean and says, had I known about this, I would have stopped this right away. And Avimelech claims to Abraham that he was totally unaware of the theft of this water. Is Avimelech telling the truth or not? It's impossible to tell from these psukim. However, what we do learn from here is that when the Jewish nation makes treaties with other countries, there's definitely a value if we can set an example and teach them about proper behavior. The fact that Avimelech agrees with Abraham's rebuke and agrees to put an end to the theft of water, that in itself is something that is positive. Now that Avimelech has come clean with Abraham, Abraham is now willing to formalize the covenant. Now Abraham takes sheep and cattle and gives that to Avimelech, and both of them make a covenant. Recall, when Avimelech returned Sarah to Abraham, he bestowed Tzonu Bakar, he gave a gift of cattle and sheep to Abraham, now Abraham is giving a gift of shadow, and now Abraham is giving a gift of sheep and cattle back to Avimelech. Pasuk Chavchet, Vayatsev Avraham et Sheva Kivsot Atzon Lavadahen. Then Avraham set aside seven female sheep as a sign of this covenant that he's now making with Avimelech. Ve'amra Avimelech el Avraham, Avimelech said to Avraham, Mahina, Sheva Kvasot Ha'ele, Asher Hitzavta Levadana. 
What is the meaning of these seven sheep that you've put aside separately? By Yomer, Avram responds to Abimelech, Ki et sheva kfasot tikach miyadi, because I want you to take these seven sheep, bavurti yali leida ki chafarti et abeherzot, for the purpose that they will be a sign and witness that I was the one who dug this well. Alkain, therefore, karala makomahu be'er shava, they call the name of this place where this treaty was made, the well of Sheva. Sheva has here a double meaning, both from the number seven, Shiva, and both from the word Shvua, which means to make an oath or to swear. Kisham nishbo because there in Be'er Sheva, they both swore to one another when making this covenant. Most commentators explain, at the simplest level, because the number seven, Shiva in Hebrew, is very similar to the word Shvua, to the word for oath in Hebrew, by putting aside specifically seven animals, that's a reminder about this oath that they're going to be honest to one another in this new relationship. Pasuk Lamed Bet, Vayichrutu Brit Shava, they formalize this covenant in Be'er Shava, Vayakom Avimelech Ufichol Sar Tzvao, Vyashuvu Al Eretz Plishtim, Avimelech and Fichol, the head of his army, get up, and they return to the land of the Plishtim. Avram remains now in Be'er Shava, which is under the jurisdiction of Avimelech, but not in the same location. Pasuk Lamed Gimel, Vayita Eshel Be'er Shava, Avram now plants an Eshel, in Be'er Shava. In Eshel, there's a difference of opinion what that means. It seems to be some type of orchard or some special kind of tree. Chazal bring a beautiful acrostic that Eshel stands for Achila, Shtia, and Lina for eating, drinking, and lodging. Vayikrasham b'shem Adonai Elolam. What did he do at the place where he planted this Eshel? There Avram called out in the name of God, the eternal God. We should point out that the word Olam in Tanakh almost always refers to something in the realm of time, to eternity, and not to the more modern meaning of the word olam, meaning the universe. So here, most likely, el olam should not be translated as the God of the universe, but rather the eternal God or the eternal Lord. Rashi makes a beautiful comment about what Avram is doing in Beersheba, which relates to his explanation of the word eshel. How did Avram call it in God's name? Beersheba was located, again, on one of the major crossroads. In that area, Avram would provide them with food, drink, and lodging, and when people would, afterwards would come and thank Avram for his hospitality, he would say, don't thank me, thank God. This idea that Avram dedicates most of his life to spreading the name of God and teaching the concept of ethical monotheism to all the people traveling through the land, that again becomes a paradigm for Amisro being a nation, shedding light and bringing the concept of God to mankind. Because of this ending Pasuk, this story becomes a paradigm for the idea of Amisro becoming a light to other nations. And most likely that's the reason why it's included in Chumash in the stories about Avram Avinu. It's also interesting that this is the reading for the first day of Rosh Hashanah. The idea of Machut Hashem, the idea of the Kingdom of God, which we talk about throughout our prayers in Rosh Hashanah, is definitely reflected in the story of Avram and Avimelech as recorded in this Aliyah. Pasuk Lamadalad, the last Pasuk of the chapter, and the last Pasuk of today's Aliyah. Avram lived for many years in the land of the Plishtim. His center base was now in Beersheba. He had an effect on all of his surroundings. And Avram continues his mission during all these years. If you want to see a beautiful calculation of where Avram spent most of the years of his life, on the Rashi, Animim Rabim, he quotes Seder Olam, talking about how many years it was from the time that Avram made Aliyah, how long he was in Beit El, how long he was in Elanim Amre in Hebron, how long he was in Grar, and when he returned to Hebron, all those calculations from Seder Olam, all those calculations are brought down by Rashi, and I highly suggest you take a look inside.